Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back to episode number 100 of the Infatuation Podcast. It's been uh, it's been a little while, and it's been a little bit of a road. So, uh, yeah, and you guys know I, I've done more than 100 uploads actually, but we started numbering these things uh, at first, and then anyway, we're at episode number 100, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty fun, and we have a special guest with us to celebrate episode number 100 in studio, actually. In the Galileo Science Department office, we have a musician named Rose Corelli. Hey, welcome to the show, Rose. Thank you. I had no idea it was 100. That's special. That's kind of cool, right? I didn't really plan it. Just, I just, <laughs> actually, I just realized today. When I was, <laughs> Congrats. When I was typing these notes. It isn't, you know, like I said, like I used to do episodes one, and I was, when I was first starting out, I wasn't sure how much time I would have. Mm-hmm. So I would record for an hour and then split it into two half-hour episodes, but I just called that episode number one part one and two so we've done more than a hundred shows but yeah actually numbered episode number 100 so that's you, big yeah that's i'm fun. honored oh well thank you for coming here <laughs> uh let me tell you a little bit about rose rose is a violinist and she's been playing for over 20 years which means you started when you were one years older. <laughs> uh, five or six. Okay, okay. But you are conservatory and classically trained. Um, but now you do most of your performances solo. You performed at the Warriors and the A's. It's uh, Obviously, she's a Bay Area person because she's here in studio with us. Um, but I guess your main gig is weddings, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. And soon we might be able to add podcast theme intro player to yes, your list. Of... I'm very excited to work on that for you. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. We may have a new version of our theme song on the violin. Yeah, so wait for that. <laughs> so uh, first of all, we like to greet our guests in the Asian way. So uh, Rose, have you eaten yet? I actually have. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Now, I don't like interviewing people on an empty stomach because then uh, then they're thinking about food. They're wondering when their next meal is coming. So I'm hangry. Yeah. No, I don't like hangry. Yes, I'm glad you <laughs> ate. And you are you live pretty close to Venice, yeah? You're kind of... Yeah, in Hayes Valley. Down the street. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite place to eat in Ooh, Hayes Valley or um, Venice there's Corridor? There's a really good Thai place right across the street from me. Uh, I think it's Le Rose Thai. Oh. Yeah, on Hayes Street. With your name in the... Yeah, so that's why I go there almost every day. <laughs> You're like, hey, it's named after <laughs> My me. My name is on the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good Thai recommendation. Yeah, there's a good place, a lot of good places to eat down there because they have the ballet and mm-hmm. the symphony. Yeah. So, and City Hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they have a lot of good places. And the conservatory music. Lots of places. Lots of places down there. All right, very cool. Um, can we talk about your roots for a second? Yeah. Now, I, I've heard you say or I read that you used to be a little shy about this. Yes, definitely. It used to be a sensitive topic. Uh, what what flipped the switch for you? Um, I think just coming to terms with the fact that there was nothing to be embarrassed mm-hmm. or ashamed about. Um, so, And also moving to San Francisco where um, there's such a vibrant Asian American community uh, here. It made me feel more empowered and owning my story yeah. and feeling like I'm surrounded in a community that doesn't make me feel like a minority. Yeah. We'll talk about where you grew up in a minute, <laughs> but I think your story is amazing. I, I think that's one of the things that really drew me to you was the fact that you have this story and because it has the vibe of, and look where she is now, you know, <laughs> like that's kind of cool. Cause it, it's just, uh, 
Well, let's get into it. So, from what I heard, you were uh, you were abandoned as a baby mm-hmm. in China. Do you know what city? Wuhan. Wuhan. Okay, it's been in the news the last three uh, years. Yes. <laughs> but huge city, 12, 12 million people or something yeah, like that. So huge city, and you were found at a bus station. Yes, I was abandoned in a basket at a bus station, mm. and then I was taken to the police station, and then I was taken to the orphanage, which is where I spent the first eight months of my life as a baby before I was adopted. Mm. So that's all you know about that part of your life, huh? Yes, it's very mysterious. Mm. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how many people have that exact story. I know there's a lot of adoptees. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the actual just left you at the bus station. That's kind of a like a K drama story, or you know, it's been. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, but you were adopted to a family, the Crelly family, yes. in Alaska. In Fairbanks, Alaska. So, from Wuhan, China, uh-huh. all the way up to northern Alaska. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't actually the city proper, Fairbanks. Yeah, or was it kind of on the cuts out? In the... It was on the cusp. Okay. Um, we didn't. We lived off the grid, so we had um, no internet, uh-huh. no TV, um, no running water. Okay. Uh- <laughs> so are you going to an outhouse like twenty five below zero? You're going outside. Even to- colder. I've had oh, sixty below. And you got to go out there in your slippers and pajamas. Or- oh yeah, and by that time you're layered up in so yeah. many layers of clothing. Just to go out, do your business, come back in, take it all up. <laughs> yeah. And- next to the wood stove oh, man. that would really make you think about should i have that last glass of water before bed you know like oh man so fairbanks so you have some of those how how many hours of daylight and nighttime do you have in winter like in the winter it's about four to <laughs> five hours of real daylight and yeah. the majority of the time like when you wake up in the morning and you go to school it's dark yeah. and by the time you're done it's dark so there's really only a couple <laughs> hours during the day where you get like actual daylight the rest of the time is kind of dusky or overcast yeah. or um yeah so there's very oh, limited <laughs> And then, but then in summer, in the summer, like we have 24 2 hours. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> 72 days of 24 hour daylight. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're way up there. Yeah. Now, was was your family like kind of homesteading? Like, did they hunt and, and fish for food or did they kind of trade for stuff? How do, how do you survive up there? Um, so, when we would go into our cabin on the trap line in the bush which was had no roads you had to either helicopter in or hike in (laughs) or or mush mush in (laughs) ski in um you would just bring your entire month's worth of supplies and food in with you um oftentimes my parents would either canoe in and they would pack the canoes with about sometimes up to six months worth of supplies or they would have a helicopter helicopter in their supplies and they they would store it in their cache which is it's basically like a tree house Uh and there's metal wrapped around the leg so the bears can't climb Uh up it to get Uh the food (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but uh but you had to climb up there yeah we would have a ladder that we built and then we would like Lean it up against. Okay, but no refrigeration necessary because you get the no. natural cooling. Or you would build, or you would basically dig a natural food cooler into the ground mm-hmm. and just store it underground. Yeah, but then you got to worry about the vermin and the bears. <laughs> yeah. 
man. <laughs> I actually have a kind of a low key fascination with Alaska. Like I oh, watch. Really? I mean, I don't know how realistic it is, but mm-hmm. I watch like these TV shows that mm-hmm. talk about people, and I, I've always thought it it it's kind of romanticized. I'm sure mm-hmm. the actual thing probably at last. A day, maybe two days. <laughs> Definitely in winter, less than that, probably. <laughs> How are your survival skills? Can you can you uh, keep stay alive in the woods if you had to? Um, if I was dropped down in the middle of the wilderness with just a knife and some rope, I honestly probably would not last <laughs> that long. <laughs> okay, okay. But you know, it's if I'm out there and you know I have supplies. It, there's a little bit of an adjustment period because, to be honest, like I've lived with running water since I left home for college <laughs> and university. So when I actually moved into the dorms for my bachelor's, that was the first time I ever lived with running water and like internet. It was amazing. Oh, um, so there is definitely like a little bit of an adaptation adjustment when yeah. you go back to living without all those amenities. Oh, um, but, you know. Since I did grow up that way, it's pretty easy for me to adjust. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And the family's still out there? Family's yeah, out. yeah. I actually just visited my family in the Yukon Territories in northern Canada uh-huh. this summer. And my dad is currently working on instilling running water. So the whole two weeks I was there, we didn't have running water. So um, we went in and I got showers at this campground shower place <laughs> in, a, in a campground. Yeah, you're too soft now. You can't do bucket showers anymore. I used to do bucket showers <laughs> a couple years ago, actually. Oh, man. Okay. All right. So, um, but in the midst of all this, mm-hmm. you're learning violin. Yes. In the cabin. In the cabin. On the telephone? Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you did your research. I did a yes. little. I did a little poking around. <laughs> so you're taking violin at like five or six years old. Yeah. Your mom is a musician? Or... My mom is a pianist, okay. a classically trained pianist. And my older brother also plays violin. Okay. So I had the support of my older brother because he would be able to like help practice with me at home. Yeah. Um, and my mom also would be able to like practice with me on the piano. So she mm. would be able to help me out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But your teacher was how many mi- hundreds of miles away? Or? Uh, like 600, <laughs> 500 <laughs> okay. miles. Okay. It, there's two different routes you can get to Fairbanks, Alaska from Dawson City. Uh-huh. So there's the route where you go over this road called the Top of the World Highway. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, you have to cross the Yukon River on a ferry, okay. and then you drive through this town, little town called Chicken, Alaska. <laughs> this is great. This is the, this is why you're here, man. I need to learn all this. <laughs> and yeah, there's a, the Canadian-American border, but that gets closed during the winter, uh-huh. which means you have to go the long way around, which is through Whitehorse. Uh-huh. Um, and that's like a two-day drive. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, you didn't meet with your teacher very often. <laughs> no, there was definitely some periods where I would go even like a year without uh, an actual violin lesson. Uh-huh. Um, but that was definitely the most. My mom was very good about making sure I got my violin lessons, whether it was over Zoom, online. I was doing Zoom online violin lessons before COVID. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> so it actually wasn't a, a big change for me, actually, when I actually had to do those again. Uh-huh. Um, but also, like you said, before that, we did telephone where my mom would hold up the telephone <laughs> to my violin so my teacher could hear me uh-huh. and then she would hold the phone to my ear so I could hear what my teacher was telling me. Huh, man, that 
you know, like we, we, my daughter is 11 mm-hmm. and she took violin for a couple of years. And even with an in-person teacher, even in the comforts of our own home where she'd come <laughs> to our house, she was frustrated mm-hmm. and really, <laughs> she lasted a kind of, you know, props to her. She lasted a couple of years, okay. but, but she just wasn't enjoying it and she wanted to quit. I, I've heard you say that you had a couple of those moments too, where you're like, okay, why am I doing this violin? I'm Definitely. Um, some of them, some of those moments were because um, I went to this school called Hidden Valley Elementary School in Whitehorse, which was primarily a very small school. I think there was maybe 20 people in my seventh and sixth grade class. So it was a combination of sixth and seventh grade, maybe 20 people. Um, there was no school orchestra, no school band. Mm. So I was the only kid who there who played violin. <laughs> and these are all like more like rural kids who like who their families own yeah. farms and stuff like that. And so I would get made fun of a lot uh-huh. for playing violin. I was embarrassed about it. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to quit because I was yeah. the only kid there in that entire yeah. school who played violin and it made me stick out and yeah. I got made fun of. So I wanted to quit then. My mom, fortunately, she kept me going. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely like a, a very, I remember that moment of just being like, I don't want to play this because <laughs> why am I doing this? I'm the only yeah. one in the school who does this. Yeah. So you had, you, your mom isn't Asian, but she's kind of a tiger mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so funny. <laughs> she was, the, her philosophy and strategy for getting me not to quit was a little um, reverse psychology. Hmm. She would be, oh, if you don't want to play, then I'm sure there's another kid out there who would love to have your violin and I can sell it and put it on the market uh-huh. and we can say your violin is for sale. Uh-huh. And then I'd be like, no. Oh, don't uh-huh. sell it and then i'd practice <laughs> wow she's good okay good uh, good parenting tip i gotta yeah. remember that one hey yeah if you don't want your math book we could always sell it <laughs> so uh so yeah so you go to college in alaska mm-hmm. and were you studying music yes i did a double degree so i did a bachelor's of music in education kindergarten through 12th grade uh-huh. and then i also did a bachelor's in violin performance okay so somewhere I don't know. Do you remember when the the switch flipped where you're like, I could do this. I want to do this, you know, because you were getting made fun of in elementary school and then somewhere in high school you got into it? Yeah. So I remember that I had, you know, never really thought about doing anything else besides violin. I never considered anything else, anything different than that. Uh Um, It seemed inevitable for me to go to university for that. Okay, okay. Um, but I do remember in high school, there's this program, I think all of the states have it, it's called All State Orchestra. Mm. So I actually was practicing a lot for that audition, and I remember I won first chair, first violin, concert master, and then I realized, hey, I'm actually good at this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and at this point, you're not the only one doing it. <laughs> no, there is, yeah, it was like the whole state of Alaska, mm-hmm. and I had actually won first chair out of that, and mm. I remember being very shocked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, because you never really played with people that much before, so you didn't even know if you were any good or not. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't know huh. how I compared to the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I did start playing in youth symphony 
um, my freshman year of high school. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you had an idea. You're pretty good. I, I, yeah. But not best in the state. <laughs> yeah, you know? that was that was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So you go to college. You're studying it, mm-hmm. and then the lower forty eight starts calling to <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky. <laughs> oh, was it Kentucky? I didn't know this. Okay, so you went from Fairbanks University, of Alaska, and yeah. Fairbanks yeah. to Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, that's a little change. University of Louisville, yes. Um, So I got a graduate teaching assistantship. Okay. So it was for my master's in violin performance, and I got full tuition, health care, and a monthly stipend offered to me from the University of Louisville. So... I packed up my bags and I moved to Kentucky. First time to Kentucky? like First time. Oh, wow. First time to the lower 48? Or? No, I have family who live oh, okay. down there, but it's definitely my first time to Kentucky and oh, like okay. the South. All right. Yeah. I I didn't I didn't think I didn't see that coming. That was kind of a little plot twist yes. from Alaska <laughs> to Kentucky. And then so you got your master's in performance. Yes. There. And then what were you thinking? You were thinking orchestra or? Yes. I was taking auditions. I had actually won an audition, like my first ever orchestra audition. I think it was May of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, I auditioned for this orchestra um, called the uh, Huntsville Symphony Orchestra in Alabama. Okay. It was maybe like a six-hour drive from Louisville. And so I drove down there. I took this audition, and I ended up winning the position, which is very exciting for me. It was assistant second violin so i was in the first stand of second violin okay okay so that was pretty exciting for me yeah and playing in, the, in an actual symphony yes an actual orchestra yeah yeah and you did that for a couple of years or? i did that for a couple of years and i actually continued it even when i moved here to san francisco okay yeah okay but conservatory was calling now what's the difference between like a master's program mm-hmm. at, a, at a university mm-hmm. and the conservatory so the all the universities I'd previously gone to, you know, like they offered many different degree programs outside of music. But when you go to a conservatory, it's primarily just music. Like you can't get an um, an English or like you yeah. know science degree there. It's to just focus on all the all the departments related to music. Mm. Did you emphasize more soloing at that point, or were you still thinking orchestra? I was still working on all of my orchestra rap. Mm-hmm. 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 And then what happens? So you're ex- you're in San Francisco. I'm in San Francisco. And what were you thinking? You're thinking auditioning for SF Symphony or ballet? Or so actually, what happened is I was supposed to start my degree at the conservatory in fall of 2020, but at that point, it, everything was still online. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided to defer for a year, uh-huh. and so I just spent my first year here. Um, I worked as a nanny for a little bit, uh, and I actually was, like, teaching the kid that I was nannying piano, violin, and drum lessons. Oh, wow. <laughs> which was really fun. So okay. I was happy I was able to still keep my teaching thing continuing. And I was also still playing with the Huntsville Symphony, so I'd be flying back to oh, Alabama wow. and performing with them. Um, then I started branching off. So I quit my nanny job, and then I just kind of committed myself full-time to being a professional musician here. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching lessons, violin lessons outdoors at Proceda Park in <laughs> Bernal Heights because uh-huh. I didn't want to teach inside. Right. It was still COVID. And parents were a little nervous probably. Yeah, yeah. so I was teaching outdoors in the elements. It'd be uh-huh. windy, it'd be cold. <laughs> yeah, but it's also cool, right? It was, it was, it was kind of nice to be outdoors. And yeah. um, so I was teaching a lot. And then I also started to 
began performing for weddings uh-huh. as a solo violinist. Yeah. Um, and then I and then I actually realized that that was a really big opportunity there. There's not a ton. There's not a ton of you guys out there doing it. <laughs> Actually, let's take a little side note because uh, we are the Infatuation Podcast. Oh yeah. So when you got to San Francisco, as as someone who who is Asian presenting, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that you didn't grow up around a lot of Asians and yes. you've never had you know Asian relatives that I know of. Mm-hmm. When you got to San Francisco, what were your thoughts when you got to this city? Um, it was, I it was a very pleasant surprise because growing up. I wasn't really surrounded by a lot of Asian American Pacific Islanders and but I never really like realized it. It was mm. just something that you kind of noticed but I didn't really think about it. And then all yeah. of a sudden when I moved here I was like, "Wow." It's in your face. <laughs> there's so many people who like who, you know, are look like me kind of, you know, I don't yeah. feel like a minority and it just felt like such a pleasant feeling. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's really hard to describe. Yeah. But when you're suddenly surrounded by communities that, you know, you feel like you fit in with, at least visually, uh-huh. it kind of makes you feel better. Like It's like a missing piece, maybe, yeah? In, yeah, in it's very <laughs> hard to explain and, like, put into words. But when I moved here, it was just like, I felt like a sigh of relief internally. <laughs> huh. huh. Okay, yeah, now I can imagine. Because, you know, not growing up with it, and then you moved to, like, Louisville, Louisville, <laughs> and and Huntsville. Yeah. Not exactly the Asian capitals of the United States. <laughs> no, definitely not. Then you come out here, and it's a lot different. Yeah. So so cool. So then you you start you start doing weddings, mm-hmm. and you start thinking, hey, this might be a gig. This yeah. might be the thing. Yeah. And you're still teaching, though. Yes. At that point, I was still teaching a lot. Um, but then I think what the what the biggest thing for me was to make the leap into buying my electric violin because uh, up until this point I was just playing on my normal acoustic classical one. Uh-huh. Um, but getting the electric violin really I think sprung my career forward because mm. that's electric violin is kind of a novelty for people. Like it's exciting because yeah. it doesn't look like a normal violin. And since I was starting to perform a lot more of like pops and hip hop and R and B and like more like current music um, it just fits the aesthetic and the vibe of electric mm. violin more. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I realized that people really like that, that's when my career really started huh. moving forward. Yeah, it's easier to record. Yeah, and and it's it's not necessarily more portable, but it's a little more rugged. Right? You can take yeah, it to outdoors. outdoors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you're playing at well, I heard you say like three or four weddings a week, or. Um, this month, October, it's 22 events this month. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so it's quite a few. Yes. And and not just weddings. I saw you play at the Warriors game and the A's game, mm-hmm. and so you have a lot of other g- corporate gigs as well? Yeah, lots of corporate gigs. I did some events for the Dreamforce uh-huh. convention that happened a couple weeks ago for Salesforce. Um I did a, um, a couple events for Rolls Royce when they uh-huh. released their new electric vehicle, and they wanted an electric violinist okay. for that release, which was really fun. You're like, hey, here I am, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> huh? And so, how, how do these gigs work? Like, the, do the Warriors call you up and say, "Hey, we want you to play before, or after the game, or during the halfway point"? Mm-hmm. Do you give them a set list, or do they do they pick the songs for you, or how does that work? So, what happened was. 
um, the Warriors, they found me on Instagram, and they sent me an email inviting me to perform last December for their game versus the Chicago Bulls. Uh-huh. And they said, we want you to feature Bay Area artists. So they gave me that guidance, okay. but then they let me have complete freedom to choose the specific songs that I wanted to cover. Okay, yeah, that sounds very cool. Um, do you know who Red Panda is? Sounds very familiar. She she is a, a Chinese woman. She rides this super tall unicycle, and she juggles these bowls. <gasps> oh, wait. She does halftime, right? Yeah, she flips these bowls on her head while she's riding this giant unicycle. <laughs> yes, actually. I was doing some research on halftime performances, and I think her name came up in yeah. an article. Yeah, she's the Warriors. She's kind of a fan favorite, local favorite. So Warriors management out there, if you're listening... <laughs> What would it take to get a Rose Crowley Red Panda collaboration at halftime? <laughs> I think I think that would be super dope. It'd be super fun. So anyone anyone out there who has the ability to get to make this happen, let's get this happening. Okay, so weddings. Mm-hmm. How does that work? So let's say I'm getting married. Well, I am married, but let's say <laughs> I'm vow doing renewal. I'm renewing my vows. Yeah. Uh, what do I do? I call you. I email you, and I say, "Hey, I'd like you to play." But then, how do do you send me a playlist? Do I come up with songs? How does that work? So what happens is I have a welcome guide that I've built, and it has pretty extensive set list of songs that I've played in the past and I think it's maybe five or six pages long Mm -hmm. um so I give that to my clients and I'm like hey like here's a list of ideas you know you can choose songs from this list or if there is like specific songs in mind that you don't see on the list just let me know and I will learn that for you and Mm. I can play it so I've taken requests from Bollywood like Uh Indian favorites to like hip-hop R&B um literally anything that my clients can think of I can play so I just ask for about three weeks to learn the music Uh if I don't know it yeah do you you play by ear mostly and yes I like to memorize memorize and play by ear and learn by ear especially because I feel like that lets me really internalize the music and the songs uh-huh. so that I know it really well. Yeah, plus you're wandering around. You can't really have a music stand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like to, like you said, roam around the space and not uh-huh. be tied down to a music stand. Yeah. Now, are you are you amplified by Bluetooth to a speaker or do you carry a speaker with you? Yes. Yeah, so I have a speaker that I love, my Bose S1 Pro. It's my the best speaker ever. <laughs> And then I have a Bluetooth wireless transmitter receiver that I plug into my violin uh-huh. and the speaker. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a pretty good range, 150 feet or... Yeah, yeah depending on the... Sometimes I use like a wireless body pack, like a Sennheiser, uh-huh. and that gives me way, way big range. Yeah. That's very cool. But I noticed that when you're inside City Hall mm-hmm. with the acoustics, you mm-hmm. just go with the acoustic guitar. Yeah. They I mean, don't... The acoustic violin. Yeah. City Hall doesn't allow you to use amplified oh. music during the weekdays. But if you have a wedding on the weekend, that's yeah. when they allow you to use speakers. Okay. So... But plus the acoustics sound so it great. It sounds so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the choice. So I was going to ask you any weird requests. So like Star Wars, if I say, hey, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, you can learn mm-hmm. some Star Wars songs. If yeah. I'm a huge K-pop fan, you can learn some K-pop songs. Yep. Yeah. I uh, Recently for Friday the 13th, I did a wedding and they the couple wanted a gothic kind of, kind spooky. of spooky, <laughs> spooky track. So they requested mostly Game of Thrones music and uh-huh. some Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that fits. 
And how about on-the-spot requests? As you're wandering around the crowd, do people say, hey, do you know blah, blah, blah by yeah. Ed Sheeran or whatever yeah. all the time? Yeah, that happens. And if I know it, I mean, sometimes if I don't even know it, I'll I'll play the track and I'll just like play along with it and learn it because um, I am very fortunate that I was raised on violin learning by ear because uh-huh. I played fiddle music. And uh. most fiddle music is taught by ear. So I have a pretty good ear, and so I can pick up a tune relatively fast. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I want—I I should have had you bring your violin so I could just test you. I know. Hey, play this. <laughs> play this. Now play this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, since you actually are on YouTube a little bit, can we listen to some of your stuff and yeah, get your live reaction? <laughs> All right, let's see. Let me let me scroll through here. Um. Well, this one's really recent. This is Andrea Bocelli. Oh yeah. And you learned this for. The Golden One Center in Sacramento for the Kings game? or No, so I performed in the orchestra for Andre oh. Bocelli. He did a concert recently in Sacramento in May. Uh, so you're just inspired by him. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's great. Okay, let's play a little bit of this. Are you already thinking of the violin part for it? Like when you hear songs, sometimes you start to think, I can play that on violin. Yeah, definitely. Like I kind of feel my fingers subconsciously moving. The muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Weddings, do you have an accompanying track for some of the songs or do you play mostly just violin? Um, Most of the time, like 90% of the time, unless it's in City Hall, I am playing with the instrumental backing tracks. Just fills it out a little bit more. Yeah, and it helps people recognize the songs if they hear like the instrumentals in the background. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is about this song? Like, just, just you don't have to be a professional musician mm-hmm. or anything. But what is it about this song that you think moves people so much? Um, for me, it's a sentimental value that I attach with it because um, when I was little, I would go over and hang out with my aunt and uncle in their cabin. And they would always be playing the Andre Bocelli CD. Uh And like whenever the song came on, I would just love listening to it when I was little. So it's probably just like the memories that are attached to it, as well as the most recent memory, which was playing and performing it on stage with him, which was very special. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, his voice is so pure, right? Mm -hmm. And do you know, have you ever heard the story about him? I which story are you referring to? Where Pavarotti he was he recorded some stuff for Pavarotti mm-hmm. as trying some stuff out, mm-hmm. and Pavarotti was like, "Why are you getting me to sing this? You should get this guy to sing it." Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think I've heard that one. And then they were saying, "Well, he can't see," and you know, well, they're like, "It doesn't matter. <laughs> you get, can you hear his voice?" And <laughs> it was it was just that's how he's got that's how Andre Pacelli got started. Wow, I didn't know that. That's a, a great story. I, I think. <laughs> I think it's true, but he was just kind of like the tester who would sing songs on tracks for Pavarotti to mm-hmm. kind of check out. Mm-hmm. 
And then Pavarotti said, no, you don't need me to sing the song. Get this guy. It is so pure. Yeah, very good track. I don't know what it is either. I, I think it's just such a simple melody, mm-hmm. and it just sticks with you. Mm-hmm. You hear it one time, and you know it. You know, yeah, definitely. And I think also the lyrics, time to say goodbye. Like, yeah. Saying goodbye is generally like a very sentimental. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, but there's something about it that's joyful yet sad at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a really good song. All right, let's see. What should we do next? <laughs> um, you want to do a cover? Let's do one of your covers. Okay. What do you think? Anything that catches your eye. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's see. Let me go to your channel. So I'm on Rose Crowley Violin on YouTube. You can see her performance with the Chicago Bulls. What else am I looking at? I'm looking at Dreamforce. Mm-hmm. I uh, see you on the side of the highway. Highway 1. Is that Highway 1? Yes. <laughs> I was driving home from a wedding. I performed in Half Moon Bay. Uh-huh. And I initially just pulled over to look at the sunset. But then I realized this would be a really beautiful background for a video. <laughs> you know, it's you could do worse. That's for sure. A couple actually pulled over off the side of the road just to hear me perform. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you still have the dress on. Yep, <laughs> but I have the Birkenstocks on, not yeah. the shoes. <laughs> and you can hear cars going by. You can a hear little cars bit, and the, the wind, yeah. and even I think you can hear the ocean a little bit. A little bit, but no, it's beautiful. All right, let's see what what song do I want here? Let me go to videos. Should I go to most popular? Let's see. What's I wonder most. what that is. You want to guess? I have no idea. Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, this is number two is the Warriors. Uh-huh. Number three is While We Were Young by Jenny Aiko. Oh, that one's a nice one. I like that one. Yeah, let's do that one. Okay. Have you always been able to improv? Have you always been able to kind of improvise as you play? Or That's definitely something I've gotten better with more recently. Because hmm. um, I think it's the fiddle background mm-hmm. that kind of makes it easier for me to do that. Um, I think a lot of classically trained musicians do feel a little scared improvising because mm. we're so ingrained there's only one right way to play a, a piece mm-hmm. um, that the thought of per- potentially playing the wrong note is scary <laughs> which is why improvising I think is a little bit more of a mental block and like hurdle mm. for classically trained musicians mm. to get over yeah versus like a saxophone player might be improvising from early yeah. on in their career yeah, yeah. This is funny. I'm looking at your your top eight, and we have Miley Cyrus. Then we have Warriors, and then we have the, the song that you played at halftime for the Warriors. Then we have Janae Aiko. Then you have Otorino Respietti, <laughs> uh, Sonata Number Two or Second Movement. Oh yeah. Then you have Go Crazy with Chris Brown, a Young Thug. <laughs> then you have Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. <laughs> then you have Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis, and then you have I don't even know how to say it, the Reve Dafon. By Eugene Yezai. Yezai. So yeah, the full gamut here. <laughs> do you do you, in your when you just pick up 
pick up the violin, do you, do you lean more towards contemporary or do you lean more towards classical? Um, m- most recently, since the contemporary is like what I've been playing for events, mm-hmm. that is what I tend to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. But I do have a classical piano and violin recital coming up <laughs> in November, so I will definitely be picking out some classical pieces and working on those. Okay, gotta get get a little nimble. Yeah, a little faster. A little yeah, different. gotta get that going again. Okay, actually, yeah, let's just we'll we'll play one. We'll, I don't know if it'll make it on the air, but which one of these two between the Otorino or the Reve? Ooh, that's hard. How about you choose? I can't okay. choose. Uh, I'm going to go Eugene Yase. Okay. there if you are interested in booking a luxury violinist or a violinist to play at your event whether it be wedding vow renewal mm-hmm. what else have you done bar mitzvahs have you done um let's see i've done proposals proposals those are always very sweet um i've done anniversaries anniversaries i've done all the stages of love actually someone asked me to play for their divorce party so i was thinking how bad would it be because you know people are always like i'm a wedding violinist i could be like i'm a divorce put it on the resume you know can't hurt can't hurt play all stages all right, so you can you can find best way is the website, yeah, mm-hmm. and Instagram. People find me on TikTok and Instagram. Okay, it's it's really interesting. I get booked through TikTok. Hey, you know, I've heard a real estate agent saying that they get more action on TikTok than on you know their website or other yeah. traditional means. All right, so don't sleep on TikTok if you're an artist. <laughs> always get find ways to find you is the key, right? Just getting your name out there. Mm-hmm. And so Rose Crowley Violin on most social media, mm-hmm. uh, easiest way or probably the most straightforward is on the website. You can actually book you on the website. Yes. Yeah, so great. Hey, you survived our, our difficult questions. <laughs> Rose, are you ready for our lightning round? I would love it. Okay. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Let's do it. This should be easy for you. Uh, top three songs on your playlist right now? Um, on my mama, I think that's a Janelle Monet. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunshine by Janae Aika and Taiga, I believe. Okay. And oh gosh, what's the third one? Hmm. You can make it up. We won't know. <laughs> I think that something's like my boo thing or something okay. like that. All right. So <laughs> kind of R and B is your is your jam. Yeah, those are songs I'm I want to do covers of. Uh, so I always like I'm listening to stuff I want to learn and memorize. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh favorite composer? Uh Rachmaninoff. Oh wow. Okay. So that's that's speed and power on those. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know much, but I have a friend who plays piano, and he says when he really wants to let burn off some, let some steam out. Yeah. Get out some Rachmaninoff. Yeah, Rachmaninoff has some great symphonies as well. Ah, uh, okay. Not known for violin though, yeah. Or no violin solo stuff that I can uh, think of right now. Okay. All right. Favorite musician. Oh 
gosh. Um, Could probably be a singer. <laughs> violinist Janine Jensen. Okay. Don't know her. <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. Uh, how about other musician other than violin? Uh, I love Janine Aiko. Yeah. Yeah, she's good. Uh, okay, so pick one. Snow or beach? Oh, that's tough because I'm from Alaska. I know, right? That's why I thought it'd be tough for but you. But I'm living in California, <laughs> so clearly I chose beach. You've gotten soft. <laughs> oh, she's lost it, folks. She likes the beach now. Can you go to negative 50 now and be okay, or would your face fall off? Um, My face would definitely fall off, but I'd also probably like kind of like it. Kind of even. Okay. Do you, do you mush? Do you, do you cross-country ski? Last time I mushed was several years ago. Okay. Um, last time I went skiing was probably like two years ago. Okay, that's that's on my bucket list. I I went to Alaska on a cruise mm-hmm. in the summer, mm-hmm. and so I didn't do any of the winter stuff. But I saw someone go on an Alaska trip in the winter. Yeah. Northern Lights. Yes, you have to see those. Some of the um, they had like a hot spring, so yes. you're like swimming with the icebergs and yes, stuff. Yes, my friends and I we would go to the outdoor hot springs, uh. Chino Hot Springs. And we'd be looking at the stars and the northern lights because it's outdoors. Okay, and then yeah. when we get too hot, we jump out, roll around in oh, the no. snow, and then jump <laughs> back in. Okay. Yeah. No, that's what I look like that people were doing. Yeah. Okay. And then they got to dog sled. And then you can also, um, yeah, because at that temperature, your hair is frozen. Like and almost they have instantly. frozen hair sculpture competitions. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. People get their beers involved. Yes, they get, yeah. Like, the beard. Crazy mohawks. Hair, yeah. Okay. All right. So when I do this, I got to talk to you about some recommendations. Definitely. Okay. All right. So I'll keep you on my list here. <laughs> All right. So you played at uh, SF Chase Center and SF City Hall many, many dozens of times, maybe over 100 times by now. Yeah. Uh, is there a dream venue that you would like to play in? Oh, my gosh. That's so tough. <laughs> I mean, it, it could just be out of your, out of you know, totally lit dream list. Um, okay, well, this is local, okay. but the SF Giants reached out to me uh, to perform their national anthem, uh-huh. so I'm probably going to check that off my bucket list. And then the 49ers. Yeah, come on, 49ers. Yeah. That'd be fun. Come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, that, you'll <laughs> drive down. It's not that far. No, that would be cool. So you like the sporting events, huh? The sporting events are fun. Yeah. I feel like it's a... Um, it, a crowd and an audience that not a lot of musicians okay. have really thought about. Huh. But I love it. Yeah. No, that's definitely. I, I can't think of any violinists I've ever seen at a sporting <laughs> event. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, 49ers, come on. Jed York, <laughs> give Rose a call. Uh, so, let's say, I, I, I'm guessing you're not married. No. Okay. So, at your wedding, who would you like to have play? Probably with my brother and my mom. Oh, that's <laughs> I've sweet. thought about that actually. That's sweet. Okay. Yeah, no. But there'd be lots of crying involved though. Do you know? Oh, definitely. I don't know if you want that. All the makeup would be running. It'd be a it'd be a cry fest. But you know what? Definitely worth it. All right. And then we leads to our signature question, which is who is your infatuation? And infatuation is anyone in the Asian community who is living or deceased that you might know or might admire from afar. So mm-hmm. Rose Crowley, who is your infatuation? My infatuation is this amazing violinist named David Kim. He's mm. a concertmaster of the Philadelphia Orchestra. And I have met him. I've worked with him before. I've gotten violin lessons from him. And he is the kindest, most humble oh, wow. yeah. man ever, considering what 
you know, prestigious orchestra uh-huh. that he is concertmaster of. Um, and he has always just really impressed me with his just, you can tell he's a genuinely good human. Mm. And I do think that in the classical world, there are lots of people with egos mm-hmm. and people who are great musicians, but who might not be the most pleasant yeah. personality. Yeah. And David Kim is one of those people who is an excellent musician, but also like an excellent character. Uh, so I love that. Shout yeah. out to David Kim. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would, I would, you know, I have a few people on my list too that I'd love to meet. And I, it would crush my soul, right? If they <laughs> get away from me, you jerk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be terrible. So David Kim, all right. <laughs> Good pick, good pick. Well, today you're our infatuation, oh. so <laughs> thank you for coming on and being our guest today. Uh, it, again, we mentioned how you can reach her on Instagram. It's Frozen Fiddle Rose. Because I'm from Alaska. I'm from Alaska. <laughs> and on Instagram and YouTube, uh, Rose Crowley Violin. Mm-hmm. You can find her also there. Um as I mentioned, you can always write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com or find us at Infatuation Podcast over on Facebook or Instagram. And please listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, you're listening now. So thank whatever you. you're, yeah, thank you for listening <laughs> wherever you are. And while you're here, you may as well give us a rating or a review over at Apple or you can give us a rating at Spotify. That always helps us. And hey, if you know anyone who wants to have a violinist at their wedding, make sure you let them know about Rose and point them to our episode as well. Uh, Thank you everyone out there for listening. And on behalf of Rose and myself, we hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe out there. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.